Me pretending like I'm on like some like Sprite <laughs> ad or something, having a sip of my drink. We join you. Hair blowing in the wind. Hey, baby. Hello. How you doing, girl? How you doing? <laughs> Everybody, I have my dearest, dearest, dearest Coco back on the second episode of, well, not ever, but the second episode that she's done on a little less surface level. So, as you, if you've heard her speak before, and if you've heard me talk about her before, or seen me post the copious amounts of just like letters <laughs> and like stories and everything that I do for her, she's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. One of the most creative, emotionally aware, self-renewing, kind humans that I know, and so 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 good for me to talk about. And I know we always talk about everything <laughs> under the sun, so I'm really excited to actually record another episode with you um and I just I just want to keep recording them with you I love talking to you I know this is I'm really really excited thank you for having me on again no you're welcome <laughs> awesome. you're I love talking to you and just having great conversations um you are one of my favorite people like ever yeah. you, you always you know you're like I post about you and I talk about you I'm like me too though like I talk <laughs> about you all the time I love you I think that's something that we've talked about before is being able to have a recording around what we have found really works with our friendship because we've got yeah. obviously we're not perfect and no one is but I think we've come to understand so much about each other and we really make it work and friendships can yeah. be really fucking hard and triggering and things and um yeah I think that would be a really another beautiful podcast episode to do with you yeah um, of course yeah so everybody, Coco is uh, a best friend, a colleague, has been a housemate, has been a, a university um, mate, would you call it? Confidant. Confidant, I like that. Um, Sounds crazy. So many, so many different beautiful parts of my life. Um, she is a Lebanese woman living in Melbourne's east. I always get the directions south. Fuck. Southeast. Southeast. Okay. Yeah. Halfway there. Close, close. She is a uh, queer woman. She is in a relationship with the most beautiful man in the world. I could talk about yeah. him ever as well. Um, so our previous episode was on um everything that comes under the umbrella for Coco of being a queer woman um in a relationship with a cis man. Um, everything that she learned about growing up queer and um, everything that came into that culturally as well, being from Lebanon. Um, so that is our first episode, if you want to go back and listen to it. Today, or if you want to learn a little bit more about Coco too, because we do yeah. a bit more of it, um, uh, how are you and who are you? But yeah. today we're just going to dive straight into what we're um, going to focus on, which is body image and having a, um, I would say what's called like a charged approach energetically to food, to body image, aesthetics, um, self-talk, body changes, weight gain, weight loss, everything around that. And a lot of the, the he, she's and they's and gays and everyone mm -hmm. fine between will understand what we mean when navigating 
body image in today's world is really fucking hard, but maybe it's always been, maybe there has always been immense pressure, um, yeah. back, you know, back to the, the days where women were wearing those really tight corsets and everything like that. Maybe this has always existed, but all we know is right now it is big. Um, and I just firstly want to, before we get into it, say a, firstly, a trigger warning that the, whole notion of feeling uncomfortable in your body is a little heavy and not being able to move through a voice, even though you are so aware of it, even though you know what it does to you can be really heavy. So um, I really want to stress that if you aren't in a place where you want to hear these things at the moment, um, then maybe hop back to that other podcast episode where yeah. <laughs> start there. Um, and the other one I want to say is we aren't speaking as we aren't giving professional medical advice today. Today we are storytelling and talking about what has and hasn't worked for us. Um, so this is in no way professional or medical advice. Um, this is completely different to us being therapists and sitting down and working with you and unpacking what has contributed to everything that goes into your relationship with your body. This is us storytelling and sharing. Um, and we have in no way fully conquered this. We have just learned along the way what works and what doesn't for us. Um, and also the signs that we are being sucked into um, what I'm sure you guys recognize as that like that vortex of the negative self-talk and the body checks and noticing weight and um, fixating on weight and everything that comes with it. So please know that this is just a personal story, um, but we're really, really excited. We talk about this all the time. We learned so much about this when we live together as well about our each other's stories. Um, so yeah, we're going to get into it. My love, what I would first love to chat about you with is our stories. So both of our stories, um, when it comes to our bodies, I, if you're happy to start, that'd be beautiful. I guess, taking us back to maybe when your first memory was that you, that you started perceiving your body or, um, maybe a time where you really notice, oh, okay. I'm, a, I'm very conscious of what's going on here. Mm. Um, the first, I remember, um, hitting puberty mm. um my boobs came in a bit but so did my hips my ass my thighs and my body started changing and it was a it was an immediate thing that I noticed like mm. the shape of my body changing um and then noticing that a lot of my friends their bodies weren't changing to the capacity that my body was changing mm. um so I think those were and I think that was around maybe 14, my puberty thing it was a bit later. I don't know if that's considered a late bloomer or not. I don't know. Um, but around 14 um, was when I started to really notice these things. Um, and it didn't help that my mama was very conscious about bodies, her body, but also my body um, and my brother's body. And I can take it back, you know, that this was us being raised in Lebanon. Um, fat phobia was just a generational thing. Like it come, it came from her parents. So I'm sure it came from their parents 
as well. And so my mother's idea and view of what a body should look like um, was kind of thrown at us and constantly mentioned um, things, you know, if you gained a little bit of weight, things were getting removed from the fridge mm -hmm. or from the pantry that could increase the weight gain. And then there were comments, you know, don't want to look like this. Make sure you're not, you know, make sure you're walking or exercising or make sure you're doing so-and-so. Um, so it was quite tricky and T knows my mom and um, knows what kind of body she has. And again, she has that body because of her own, her own ingrained fat phobia and fears about body change. Um, but she is very obsessed of the gym and works out a lot and is very tiny, is very mm -hmm. small, very opposite body types. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really hard growing up and having her, my mom is a beautiful person, lovely heart, just has her own struggles. And that kind of got shifted along to like myself. And um, yeah, growing up with this idea of what I should look like was really hard because I could never maintain that. I could never achieve that. Um, and I did a lot of things that I shouldn't have done to try to, whether that was, you know, like starving myself or I would take, um, I can't remember what they were called, but they were these medication that were really, really bad for you. And I remember I've got an old photo somewhere I can try to find. I think that was the skinniest I have ever been. And I took these when I was about 15 or 16. Mm. Um, and I would take them with somebody else at school, um, these pills. And they were really, really bad. Like they would shift your mood. Um, I was it was made me sick as well. Like you were constantly nauseous and just unwell. Um, but I lost a lot of weight, <laughs> which mm. um, and made me feel better. Mm. And, you know, my mom would say, you look good. You've lost weight. You're looking skinny. These jeans look looser on you. You know, things like that. And um, so, yeah, that was a real struggle uh, for a very long time. Mm. having that experience and it I, it kept on going so then I you know, I'd stop the medication I'd gain a bit of weight I'd struggle with the way I looked I'd judge myself too much why can't I look like her why can't I look like my friend why can I not maintain this image I don't like exercising a lot but I force myself to do stuff that you know wasn't even good for my body in general mm. um started taking the pills again at around 18 with another friend. And so it was like a bit of a cycle that I kept going through. And um, it wasn't until, honestly, I don't even know when, maybe late 20s or so that I started to try to do better in myself, like for myself, for my own mental health as well, because I would notice like this uh, type of energy um, mm -hmm. like the cloud that would kind of take over when I started fixating. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, you know, made sure I wasn't weighing myself because I knew as soon as I saw a weight gain, like a scale, that's it. Mm -hmm. Girl, I would start, how, should I stop eating this when I'm, and then I, I struggle with like, I'll, you know, like not eat and then I'll binge 
or I'll, I'll do something that, and then I'll hate myself so much for it. And then I'd cry and then I'd grab myself and all these things. Um, so I struggled a lot. Um, yeah, there was, it was really difficult and it still can be for me. Like it's, it's not something that I've fully healed from. And I don't think it is anything like the thought patterns, you know, the little voices in your head that mm. just, um, constantly trying to put you down or tell you what is wrong with yourself or why you can't amount to a certain image or an idea. Oh my gosh. I, that you are saying things that I have either forgotten about or, mm. or just forgotten how important they are in terms of the journey, the, um, you're exactly right that the scales, that's a really big one. The, um, also the way that I was just thinking that, I mean, it doesn't um, discriminate. Mm. Voice doesn't discriminate that you talk about, does it? It doesn't find, it doesn't find particular people who are a set group. It can find anyone because, I mean, I, I tell you this and I hope you know, I think you do know how beautiful I view you. Like I view yeah. you as this like just goddess, right? Like yeah. inside and out and by society standards. And I'm being conscious of how I say this because this is exactly what we're talking about is how we talk about aesthetics. But by society standards, I don't know how many times a week and I'm constantly telling you so many times a week, someone will comment on how physically beautiful my friend Christine is. That is a fact. And this, I'm only saying this because these voice, these voices don't discriminate. Mm -hmm. Someone who you could think would never have an issue and you can discuss their body with them. You can mention different things because why would that matter? Because they're, you know, they're in your mind so aesthetically pleasing. They fit all the societal standards. Why wouldn't we do that? Because they're so like, quote, unquote, hot. They're gorgeous. They're beautiful. You are such a aesthetically beautiful person, which I, you know, I feel a certain way saying that out loud because now I'm, we're so conscious around language and this is what yeah. this podcast is focused on. But it's wild to me that it's it, it's just a, a wild thing that no matter how we look, the voice won't discriminate. The voice is there and it's ready in times of stress. It's ready after you hop on those scales. It's ready after your mum comments on your weight, when mm. you see the Kardashians on the screen, when you see something on social media. Um, I just, I really wanted to write that down because that is such an important part that um yeah, that I want to forget when we talk about later. Mm. Um, yeah, so sorry, you were um saying that uh, so hopping on the scales and um doing certain things can still like in this moment in time you you're still riding that yeah I guess not riding that wave but it's still it's still there it's, it's a little struggle. yeah little little things I've um recently I've noticed I'm doing more of is uh the grabbing mm. so I'm noticing like I've been watching a movie with Rome and um I feel my tummy and, I'll, and I'm grabbing it or I'm pushing against it mm -hmm. um, same with like my thighs and mm. notice that this is something and you mentioned stress before and I know that when I'm stressed it becomes worse 
because I start picking at things and then it's it's me that I'm picking at because I'm the only thing that I'm able to control in my environment if I have everything else that is uncontrollable and that's causing me stress, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so this is like a new thing that I'm, I don't even know if it is a new thing that I'm doing or it's a thing that I'm finally noticing that I'm doing. Yeah, I'm conscious of this thing where I'm grabbing myself and pinching little parts of my body and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so things like this have become, and yeah, so even till now, things like these come up. I do try my best, my absolute best to work through it. I have bad days. I have really good days. I have days where I'm walking around. I'm like, I'm a bad bitch. And I look like a goddess and I'm fabulous and it's great. And then I have days where I'm in tears and I'm just like struggling yeah. with so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an ongoing, it's ongoing work that I'm, I'm better than what I was 14, when I was 14 years old. I'm better than how I was when I was 20. And I'm better than how I was when I was 25. Mm. But it doesn't mean that it's fully gone. It's just mm. something that, you know, each year I learn maybe a new tool to help support me or um, a new way to talk to myself Um and a new way to shift the voice in my head a little bit, even if it's not fully leaving, maybe it's something that I do that helps shift it just slightly so I can breathe and go on and be okay and mm. feel okay. Do yeah. you ever find too it's a part of yourself that you have fulfilled as in um, that fixation that we can get when we are feeling lit up and really like confident in how we're doing things and we're learning new things and we feel like our thirst for growing is met. Do you find that that sort of fills yourself up in a way? This might be my own projection of what I've experienced, but it sort of fills that hole that might we might usually try and fill with the, all right, I need to be aesthetically small. Yeah, no, definitely. It does. It does feel a hole. It does feel like that space that I'm, yeah, that I, I got to look this way. It has to be this. Yeah. Specific, but when I am feeling good and I'm feeling myself, I'm feeling in my body with my body, um, it, it goes like it's, it's a filled void. I'm not struggling in that sense. Um, and I yeah. know that we've spoken about too, when we feel larger than life, when our heart feels big and our, you know, our confidence is big. It's like where we feel better being bigger, if that makes sense. Like, like taking up that space physically yeah. and metaphorically, like I'm I'm here. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. And don't you think it's such an interesting, complicated, insane, beautiful, heartbreaking thing that we, it's so, this thing is so nuanced we can be feeling this one thing about ourselves. Our friend can tell us and we will be devastated that they don't see what we see, yet it's so easy to see why they don't see what we see because we're doing the exact same thing to ourselves. Yeah. So I view this as like, you know, there's like a pie chart of there's us as therapists who know what contributes to this, know how we can support our clients in exploring this and having more neutrality surrounding this. Like a, and when I say that as in a neutral um, approach to bodies and food and, and exercise and things. And then there's the third part where our loved ones are going through the same thing. Mm. And there is so much complication within that because 
we want them to know how beautiful they are, but we know how hard it is to feel that beautiful. Um, yeah, and to let everyone have their own process around this, I think most people find quite hard um, yeah. and uncomfortable because we just, I can see it in friends' eyes and I can feel it in myself. I don't know if you can, babe, where we want to, it's like we want to, take out their brain, give it a wash <laughs> yeah, and put and put the images that we see of them in there and pop it back in yeah. and be like, there, that's what I see. But we're doing the exact same thing to ourselves, And I think that is such a complicated part of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really, really is. Like, minds. What's that? We cannot change other people's minds. We cannot. As much as we want to in a way that we we think it's going to help them that we just generally can't. And yeah, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing when you do witness it in your friends and you want to, um, cause I, I know that I've done that where I've like, I know cause we both struggle and there's moments where you're having a really bad day and I'm like, how do I tell her or show her the person that I see every yeah. day, the beauty, the, the, um, whether it's aesthetics or not, like just the incredible human and beauty that's on the inside and outside that I know that you're struggling with, with, but I always, it's always that voice in my head going, but you're doing the same thing, babe. Yes. And the same thing to yourself. You're thinking the same things. You're treating yourself the same way. So what, so it's like, all right, I got to stop. I can tell you with my words and show you with my heart and my love that you are an incredible human and I will always love you regardless of what you look like and what you think but I also have to step and back and go don't try to change the thought pattern because you're not doing it for yourself either it's right. the same you yeah. know and that I mean that's such a beautiful thing to say and it, it made me think that what you do really well and I think what genuinely helps most people is like we're not sometimes we are talking about the physical body, but we're talking about something deeper here. We're talking about someone's relationship to self, their level of anxiety, what they relate their self-worth to, things they've internalized when they were three, four, five, six years old, like tiny little humans. It is so deep. And so when you were saying that, I was like, how, I mean, we do, I do feel comforted and I do feel helped by you. So how do we do that when I know that you're experiencing the same thing? Because I never think to myself, because she's got these same thoughts, she can't help. What would be great to do is go through what we have found are the do's and don'ts with these things. Mm -hmm. And I, I can def I'll go into my story with my relationship with my body too. Can I ask what is, what do you feel has changed for you recently in terms of your body whether it's positive whether it's negative whether it's no you know emotion attached to it at all what do you think like where do you think you are at with your journey now and that might change tomorrow yeah um where am I now I I am noticing changes in my body mm -hmm. I've I know that I've gained weight in the last so-and-so months, I, um, I've, I'm, I'm accepting that my body is growing and look, sometimes I have great days. Sometimes I have really shitty days about it. But one thing that, one thing that I know, um, 
I, I did a thing that made me realize, okay, you actually are uh, changing a little bit here. And it was um, buying jeans that were a size bigger than I usually would. Mm. You know, instead of forcing myself into the smaller, the usual size jeans that I would wear and just hurt myself or starve myself or whatever it is to get into them. I go, I went and like, no, get them the size that you are now. Yeah. And, okay, and feel gorgeous in those pants, you know? Um, you got me there. You've got me all emotional. That's <laughs> really beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did that for myself and I felt that that was a really great moment for me. Um, present mm, over the holidays, I struggled a lot and it's the holidays and I was your family, you're eating, you're drinking, you're having the time of your life. Um, after that, at that maybe like a week or two ago, it was like a, a bad, a bad week or so where I was just really hard on myself and noticed that change and I was struggling looking at the change. Today I feel good. Mm. Today I feel good, not great, but I feel good, mm. and I feel good with what where my body is at at, at this stage right now. Mm. Mm. I hope that answered your question. I don't even know if that was the right. <laughs> No, it, it really does. And I also, because I can, God, I can bang on. I, you came, you brought me back to what I was trying to say before, before I know I went off on a tangent, is it's so wild that we can know all of these things, but yet it still plays out. We can be so wise about this, but it still plays out. like. Yeah. I, I say every summer to everyone, everyone I know, myself included, our bodies change. Like we get like in whatever way they change. I don't even want to use words that have connotations around it. They just can be a bit different. And it's usually because we've gone fuck it and we have the beer, we have the pizza mm -hmm. or we, um, we go to the beach more, we thrash ourselves at the gym less. It's like, I think it's really fucking cool that for those two weeks over summer, three weeks that our bodies change and yeah. how lucky we are that they do change. And we can know that in principle, it's a beautiful thing. And of course they're going to change because we're excited and we're having more fun. But then it's like, that it can still be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, and, and then I think we forget each year that, okay, we're coming into this period. We're mm. going to change. We know that it's probably going to get to a day where we're like, oh, and we have, you know, that that crumble moment. Yeah. Um, it's like there's two, it really is devil and angel in our head. The angel knows it all. It is. This little, this little devil or this little something is in there. She's ready. She's like, fuck yeah. That's to fuck you up real quick. That's real fuck hard. You up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um I put on um I put on a pair of shorts a couple weeks ago that I had worn around this time last year. Yeah. And they were tight, very tight. <laughs> tight on my tummy, tight on my thighs, and I lost my fucking mind. Because <laughs> I have a photo of me in Rome in the bedroom and I'm wearing them and you can tell that they're looser on my thighs. Yeah. And I went on a full rampage of myself because of them. Regardless of what we know, we navigate this stuff all the time. We're demonstrating that we're not perfect in this area. And I just want to remind anyone who experiences this to have self-compassion. 
when it when it comes to health and and everything because we work with a lot of people with um eating disorders and eating disorder behaviors i also understand that for health reasons as well that is a whole other piece of the pie when we look at what Mm. does need to change health wise if you do Mm -hmm. want you know be okay if you do want to live um which is another part of our trigger warning is that is a very very heavy part of all of this is eating disorders kill many people each year the inability to know what someone else is going through within their mind means that we really do in most cases just need to listen Yes. At most, provide advice when it is requested. Unsolicited advice in this area is just probably going to lead to someone shutting down. Mm-hmm. You projecting your discomfort at someone experiencing that is probably going to lead to someone shutting down. You and I feel better when we air it out. No, I love what we do is we don't feel that discomfort and be like, right, action. Fix it. Fix it, right? We feel that discomfort and go, oh, my God, this is uncomfortable. I love you so much and I can feel how hard you are on yourself. But allow that discomfort to be something that you can handle because I think um, I think that that is a really important thing that's missing when people try to open up about um, things like this or, or self-harm or suicidal ideation is that there is so much discomfort around it. If you can just have your body be neutral, yeah, try your best to listen to it, to feel your own discomfort, but just to listen um, can be a really beautiful thing. And who knows, maybe some of these stories are bringing up discomfort in others and making them question certain things about us, which is absolutely expected and okay if that's happening, but also something to be aware of uh, when you are supporting someone who's going through this, what are your own preconceptions around um, around weight, around fat phobia, around health, around well-being? Um, yeah, and everything that comes into that because we all have them. It's so inherently like it's there. Yeah. Mm. What have you found? I'll, I'll definitely get to my story, but I just love hearing your um, takes on these things. What have you found over the years has been actually helpful not not necessarily what you would google as helpful but what you have found as helpful um it's funny you say like you were talking about how we talk about these things and I think that in the last couple of years or so we've really a little bit longer actually we've talked about it in last year when we were living together we talked about it more um, the fact that I could sit, come to you, talk, cry was one of the best feelings afterwards. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't, like you said, we were not trying to fix me. You're not trying to fix the problem. You're not trying to say, all right, let's do this, this and that. You'd literally sit and listen to every single dark thought that I've had about myself and my body and everything. Um, I just really, it's worked a lot for me just being able to release it, talk about it, put it there, cry, and then, and not just move on from it. So I'm not moving on from it. It's still there and I'm working on it, but it's really, um, that's something that's actually helped me a lot recently. 
Mm. is being able to have somebody that I can fully talk about this to with no judgment, no trying to fix anything. Um, it, it closes the hole a little bit, mm. not fully, but a little bit. And then it helps me move. It helps me walk. It helps me continue on. Um, another thing, I guess, um, uh, not weighing myself has been really, really helpful. <laughs> I'm doing little preach hands for anyone. Well, no one can see. I was going to say for anyone who can't see, for everybody, I'm doing little preach hands. Mm-mm-mm. Yes. So not- I remember when I saw the scales in our apartment, I was like, hey, baby, what are these doing? What the is this? And I was like, it's not mine, I swear. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that's one thing that has been really, really helpful. Uh, and why, why do you think that is, babe? Because, I mean, we have definitely spoken about this at length consistently, but what do you think um, for anyone listening who might still weigh themselves, what did weighing yourselves do to you or do for you? What do you think it contributed to? Uh, so the times I'd weigh myself and I'd like, so let's say I lost weight. And I, I, I would fixate on it and I'd be like, so happy, so proud of myself. So just like, yes, this is, this is what it means to be great. This is what it means to look fantastic, feel fantastic, even though I could have been feeling like shit regardless. The fact that I saw that that, you know, lost a kilo or two or whatever it was would make me feel like I was on top of the fucking world. Even though inside, if I would step back and actually think about it, I was not okay. Mm. I was not feeling okay. I wasn't feeling okay about that. I wasn't feeling okay about the action of me standing on the weights to see where I was at. Mm. Uh, And then if I'd stood on the weight and I saw that I gained weight, oh my God, the fixation on that number. Yeah. And it did the complete opposite. So I never, it was never... It might have been a quick little dopamine hit if I lost the weight, but it didn't make me feel good regardless. Mm-hmm. And then if I gained the weight and I saw that the fixation on that number, the way it made me feel about myself, um, the constant staring at myself in the mirror, looking at the parts of my body where I was like, where has this, where is it? It's my stomach. It's my ass. It's my thighs. It's my arms. It's my face. Mm-hmm. It's, and I'm just pointing them out and looking at them. And it's the three kilos that I've gained. This is where I've put them. This is where it is. And um, then the then the really bad habits start to come out, you know? Yeah. It, it really, um, for me personally, it my mindset just tanked. It was really, really bad on my, on my mental health, my mindset, the way I was thinking about myself. Um, and then the actions that would follow from that. Yeah. I am, um, you know what, how we always say to our clients, if we're doing an art therapy session, it's not about what it looks like. It's about how it feels. Yes. I find that scales is just the complete opposite. Well, so much of our society is, but mm. down that path, scales is the complete opposite. It is such a objective thing that you can see and it is just the opposite of all right how do I feel in my body maybe I'm heavier but like am I so much stronger and healthier and alive and engaged with my friends and you know killing it at work 
that number and that fixation on that number is really, really, really conducive to living your best life and being your most authentic self. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of people who have issues with this do have the tendency to be fixated on the number. Yeah. I think that that's the other thing that's so necessary is some of us are going to live with this for life, but the the path is going to change so much. And I think another really important part of this, and this is why I've changed my entire life around, uh, is stress. And, you know, the body image is linked into that. How can we reduce stress? How can we promote safety in your real life? So your body is not your safety because more often than not you creating your safety from your body image is not safe. Your, your changing of your body is not going to create safety. It'll usually um, feed into a really toxic cycle. So I'm, I'll go through what my relationship has been. And then I'd love to go through our do's and don'ts, babe, if we just take turns going through, some of the real no-nos that we've come to know and then what has helped. Um, And thank you for starting us off too with talking about how you and I just openly speaking about it really helps in the not weighing. Amazing. Actually, I do want to say before I tell my story, the buying, <laughs> sorry, it's just it's just you doing you, and I love it. It's a doing Tessa, all the neural pathways. The um. The discussion around the buying the new shorts reminded me of that beautiful scene on Eat, Pray, Love. Have yeah. you, do you remember it where the friend, they're, at, they're in Italy, she's exploring, they're living their best life and they've just made this beautiful friendship and her friend it just says, I, I can't, I can't eat that pizza. I, yes. I've grown yeah. out of my jeans. I just can't, I can't do it. And I will butcher the quote, but Julia is basically like who plays Liz Gilbert in it. Um, Julia Roberts says, um, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to the game. No, we're going to eat this pizza. Then we're going to go to the game. Then we're going to eat some more. We're going to drink some more drinks. Totally butchering it. But then we're going to go home, go to sleep. And tomorrow we're going to go buy some new pants. Yeah. Love that idea that. It is actually okay if you do need to buy new pants because isn't it a beautiful thing that you can enjoy this moment right now mm-hmm. and eat the fucking pizza? Exactly. So my story with this before we go into our do's and don'ts, um, I have had a little chat about this on the potty before, but um, it's cool to do it. That would have been three years ago. So now I get to do it three years later um, is – there's sort of two components to it. One was realizing what was going on and why I did that on the surface, like beginning to understand my own um, trauma around being so sick as a child and things like that and um, the medication I needed to take and everything. But then the other side of it was knowing what I'd internalized over the years, like so many other people and that um, maybe no one had been through, you know, like a life-threatening illness like mine or, um, you know, took the medication that I took or had their like physical abilities impacted in that way. But a thread that I do have in common with so many other people, regardless of if that experience is similar to mine, is the way that we internalize what um, 
family and friends say around bodies is the way that we take in like fat phobic messages around um, dieting and everything like that. When it comes to what we hear at school, everyone talking about dieting at school, the way our bodies look in comparison to others, all of those sort of things that we pick up along the way um, and then internalize at such a young age. And I know that so many of the people that we work with and that we have in our circle internalize things at a really young age. And when I say internalize, internalize, I mean absorb and then really have it be a part of how you perceive and show up in the world. Um, But yeah, I guess a big part of mine. So I had a autoimmune disease. I still have it, but um, am in remission now. When I was younger and my body was shutting down basically because it attacks my muscles, uh, I was taking steroids then, which if anyone has had to do that, I remember talking recently about this with someone who was on a really high dose um, and had so much empathy for them because there's such a fucking terrible drug, although they do suppress your immune system. So if you're experiencing autoimmune um, flare-ups or symptoms, it it just flattens it. But at the same time, you can gain so much weight. It's like you become like very, you like retain a lot of fluid. You um, become really low with your mental health, so many different things. Um, so I was, I was 11, I was so young, um, such a young person and I'm so younger than some of the people that I work with now. And I am surprised when they are thinking about their bodies like this, when they're so young. And then I think, oh my God, I was 11. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I remember like, that's when I started restricting, um, and I like can physically remember my dad coming and talking to me one time and mum was always talking to me about it as well but I remember dad coming and talking to me about it because I just really started restricting what I was eating and I I yeah I wasn't really I don't really cry with my dad but I remember like crying with my dad and being really upset at how much my body had changed and just wishing that I could not go through that um yeah and I guess when I think about it as I've processed it, you know, through therapy and everything like that, I know that that was my first time of controlling what I ate in order to control my weight in order to control, to control how I saw myself, Mm. uh, which is at a really young age. So that was my first time. And I think just taking in also being surrounded by, um, people dieting as I grew up, um, taking in, you know, people talking about fat people, like quote unquote fat people in a negative sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. That all contributed to it. And then it just sort of followed me through bits and pieces through high school. And I can remember acutely in high school doing it. Um, and yeah, I can remember everyone. So when I say doing it, I mean like uh, skipping meals and, you know, reducing my intake, like unhealthy amounts of exercise. And no one was talking about eating disorders back then. Most of the girls yeah. in school were dieting anyway. So it was what it was. But like, um, but if I hand over the reins to to her, I think I, I, 
I used to call her Sassy Saskia. I used to hand over the reins to the, I, in my head, she, her name was Saskia. Like she was just like this little shit who was so ready to take the reins and control everything um, in terms of weight. And yeah, that happened in high school and, and it was happening. It happened probably the worst. One of the worst was legit when I was meeting you. It was at the tail end of it. I met you. So much of this is separate to the well-being conversation because we're talking about the the way that the voice isn't thinking about well-being and nutrition. Mm-mm. It's thinking like how can we stay as small as possible and just not show up in this world? Um, well, mine is anyway. So um, please know again that's why we're not talking. Why not? We're not giving professional medical advice because obviously this voice isn't conducive to health and well-being it is conducive to adhering to a society that values for the most part smallness yes and and pretty things and quiet things and cute things so um yeah that was that was my process and I guess nowadays it's like I have a constant it's like I've constantly got it um like I've constantly got a little telescope or microscope or Mm. whatever little What's that circle thing with the stick on it? Magnifying glass. Thank you. <laughs> that. Um, I can see it for the most part. I can see it. I can observe it. It might be a little bit before I step back and I'm like, mm, okay, you're checking your tummy more often. You're like doing this more often. Um, but I will notice it. And I, my approach to it is with so much self more, more self-compassion than it used to be. Mm. Um, And I don't know if you feel the same, babe. Like I used to be like, how the fuck am I still here? How am I doing this? And so when I feel, when I feel people becoming uncomfortable at my experience of my own body image, I think that's an important part of the process, but hard when you're vulnerable to know that that's okay. How they view my process is okay. I need to have self-compassion. I need to come back to feeling safe in my body. I don't need to necessarily action this straight away and fix everything. How can I process? How can I be safe? How can I know what is going on for me and what I need versus taking on what others project onto us um, that we need? And that's not talking about what a, what a nurse or what a psychiatrist is discussing in an inpatient state for an eating disorder ward. We are talking about... Um, everyday life um again not professional environments um and acute illness so um and I I also want to state that I know that um an eating eating disorder voice can make you um feel like things are less severe than they are however I think over the years we've come to know where we sit with ours we do have that ability to observe um, I think I'm pretty right in saying that I'm not so in it that I can't see how serious it is. Yeah. I'm in a place where I know, oh, there you are. I got you. Let's make ourselves safe again. Let's fill our cup up again. Let's like go out and be badasses so that our way of feeling good is not through aesthetics. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I definitely handle it with more self-compassion. I wear bikinis now and sort of just like embrace my ass and yeah. <laughs> like, you know, my tum and okay. and everything like that. I think we're pretty good at just rocking the curves in our outfits and things instead of hiding them. 
Um, so even, I, you know, we do still navigate these voices, but we have come a long way and the things that we've done do work because we won't not wear the bathers. We won't not um, wear certain clothes. We will voice it when it pops up. We will have that dinner even when it feels really uncomfortable too. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's lots of different things that have changed over the years and then it's also knowing when people go like, so you're completely good now, right? Because it's like <laughs> they just need that confirmation. Yeah. You're good, right? And I know I see the discomfort, even in some clinicians' faces. They don't want to fuck with eating disorders. Yes, because they want to know that you're better. And I think that there is quite a lot of discomfort amongst a lot of different people being like, oh, and even I can feel discomfort knowing how someone experiences their body I can feel it come up too but I think because we've I've done it for so long I know what's going on I feel discomfort all right I'm not going to try and change I'm not mm. going to give advice that they don't ask for um I'm not going to hop straight into action mode um so yeah that is where I'm at with mine and then I've come out of like an acutely stressful period in my life yes. where yeah, I, I definitely got into it again um, at the end of last year. She she came back. She came for me. She was ready. Um, I always think when I say ready on um, Bridesmaids when she's like, I'm ready to party. Yeah. <laughs> it comes out on the aeroplane. Yeah. That's, that's what the voice does. Like she sees stress and she's like, okay, be like, I got you. We can, we can just not eat that dinner and then you'll feel better tomorrow. Like da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, and I was definitely aware of that, but definitely was in it at the end of last year. However, I had no processing time, no reflection, no grounding time, felt very unsafe just in general, um, financially was stretched, physically was stretched. Just even thinking about that makes me like rub my eyes. You know, that, that period yeah. of life was just so fucked at the end of last year. Moving. It was intense. You had a lot going on and it was, it was too much. It was too much, too much for, too much for what is needed to create the safety for this voice not to arc up again. Hundred percent, yeah. Um, so it comes out, but then I can feel it, like the safety's back, the the groundedness is back, and so she's gone again. So ideally, that's what we'll be able to keep. Um, so yeah, that's where things are at now. Um, I would love to, you've already started us off and scales was definitely one that I had on um, my thing, not trying to fit into your old, old, old clothes. Yes. A huge one. Um, and you've also touched on this. Uh, um, uh, family boundaries or like understanding of family dynamics and family <laughs> boundaries is a huge one. Can huge I one. think that you've got a really You've learnt so much in this area. Can you mm. tell me um, why you think it's important for us to know about our family's experience of fat phobia and body image and mm. what we can do about it? Yeah. Um, I think it was really important. Like, I guess, I don't know. Well, I know it's a cultural thing, I think, as well, but um, also a generational thing. You know, it's not just my mom. It's uh, grandparents, aunties, uncles. Like, comments get dropped. Things get said about our bodies and things and it's it's you know um all their internalized things and I had to repeat that to myself a lot it's, it's not your mom judging you it's your mom judging herself and projecting that onto you you know yeah preach hands will it do that on zoom no it's only a hand raising 
I guess that's the need for it. That can you say that again? It's not your mum judging you. It's her um judging herself and projecting it onto you. Yes. Mm. And yeah. it's it's not your friend judging you. It's them projecting it onto you. Yeah. Not your Pilates teacher judging you. It's their own inner projections onto you. They're judging. It's their judgments of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I had to really learn that, especially when it came to my mom and my family and stuff um, and learn to say uh, my mom, even I think maybe a month ago or yeah, like last month uh, was chatting with me. My mom lives overseas and uh, was chatting with me and was like, oh, so are you still going to Pilates? You're still working out. You're making sure you're doing that. And I go, mom, we're not going to. She's like, okay, okay. I know. I know. I'll stop asking. I'm like, good. Because it's huge because she knows I've had a few conversations with her. So she knows not to ask me those questions. Yeah. Don't ask me if I'm taking walks. Don't ask me if I'm doing my pole dancing or where I'm doing Pilates or whatever exercise I'm doing. Don't ask me about it because I know why you're asking. Mm. And regardless if I'm doing it or I'm not doing it, I don't want to hear it because you instantly make me think about my body. Yes. You know? Do you think, babe, that 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 sort of goes hand in hand with how, uh, say we have someone, like we might have people in our lives who alcohol use is far more of an addiction, you know, far more of a trigger. And so it's like you have the way that other people can interact with alcohol, it changes. Like it's, they can have those nights and they're not going to go down a steady slope of that. They can interact with it in that way. But people who have that addiction, that fixation, they know their limits. Yeah. I find with bodies, while other people might skip a meal and not think about it again, it's it's a dangerous behavior for us to start participating in again because it can feed that cycle similar to um, how people interact with us around it. It could be more dangerous to us than, you know, someone else down the street who has a completely neutral view of food and exercise. That makes sense. Like some people I think need to learn. It's actually just a no-go zone to talk about that with them because Mm. While it might be helpful for others describe to describe their exercise routine, if you've been constantly put, sort of put, or pro, had exercise promoted to you, so you look a certain way, it's no longer a safe topic. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes it makes complete sense because it was that it was promoted to me to look a certain way, not to feel healthy and do it for my own health, but yeah. to look a certain way um so yeah so comments about that like unless I'm talking about my experiences oh yes I've been going to Pilates I'm having the best time or whatever it is like that's fine but for my like this is very specific to me and my family because um even like I've got aunties and that they know they know that I can't handle these they know that I can't handle my mom talking about it because they've heard her talk about it to me so these conversations are um or topics are off limits Mm boundary we've I've placed it I've mentioned it and that's it and when it comes up all I have to say is like mama remember and she'll be like I know I know I'm mm-hmm. sorry and we'll just go back and yeah. let it go and mind you when she mentioned it she like last month it had been 
so I kind of remember the last time she'd asked about like my body or my weight or working out or anything, you know, which is really good. And for those who don't know my mom, that's a big thing. Yeah, she has, she's improved, hasn't she? Like it has. she, has, she has grown and changed and take, she takes on what you discuss, which is such a godsend for a family member. Cause I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, it's definitely something that I would, I would suggest to talk to your friends, your family, if that is a boundary, you know, that is going to cause you internal harm, place it. Yeah. Um, this topic, not bringing it up. Mm. I don't want you to ask me these questions. Like that's it. That's a boundary. Mm. Get it. Mm. Mine related to that is we don't call foods, naughty foods. We're not being naughty, mm-hmm. having a certain food. Because it, and it, that might be a safe behavior for other people. It, uh, I, don't, I don't know for who, but where can we have a neutral approach to food? Where can we eat what we feel that we need to in that moment? Where can we stop judging ourselves so harshly for a food? Yeah. So that's been mine is, and um, that's not my mum having ill intentions, but um, I mean, we both said it growing up, like I would say it to mum, like, oh my God, naughty choice. But I just know it's not safe for me to view foods as positive or negative. Um, yeah. So that's that's been my most recent one to mum without even knowing it. I just heard it was like, uh-uh, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, and she was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I know. And I think that that's a really beautiful part of our relationships with our family too, if they can see what's then impacting us and they can take that on board as well given given that they're women too who've gone through years of um bullshit standards around you know fat and weight and everything yeah definitely and look even in my family it's not just the women like I've you know my brother was not uh saved from my mama too you know (laughs) it was a different level but my my brother had that experience as well with her to um a different extent but yeah so it comes in all different shapes sizes and genders it does yeah Yeah. right um I I've popped a few down because I was thinking about this while I was having my hot chockey before um hopped on um uh, oh so a big one for me is and this is what someone commented back on the anonymous link when I popped it up as well. No matter how good your intentions are, try your hardest to not comment on bodies. It is so hard, you know, like especially we can feel really happy for someone. We can feel so stoked that they're like feeling healthy again and all of those sort of things. But it it does in some way or another contribute to someone focusing on their physical appearance because all we can see is their physical appearance. Mm-hmm. So whether we whether the intention is positive or negative, it usually is positive. We can only see that. We can't see their inner like health. We yeah. can feel their presence and their energy. And that's a beautiful thing to comment on. Like I'm loving being around you. Um, at this stage in our life, because I just feel like you're so alive and you're so yourself. I can see that you're growing and um, and that sort of thing. But no matter how innocent the comment is, and we all slip up, I slip up. I noticed my friend's um, arm looked really muscly the other day and I was like, you're looking fucking tank. And it just slipped out, you know, and yeah. um, 
and I thought about it later, it was like, that is still a comment on body. And I'm so aware of it. I hate it when anyone comments on my body, positive or negative. Um, I know that, I mean, when they're noticing my waist has gotten smaller, I'm thinking to myself, when was it bigger? Is it going to be bigger again? If they comment on um, weight change in general, it's just feeding into my fixation on weight. So regardless of if you think someone is aesthetic, more aesthetically pleasing or not, do not comment on people's bodies or try your hardest not to. If you do have self-compassion and and learn from it and grow from it, but yeah, do you do you think find that that's one that regardless of their intention, it can still have such a profound impact? No, it definitely can. And it's exactly how you said, like what you said about the waist thing. Like it's that thought, like if you said, oh, you're looking like you've, you're looking fit. Well, when did I not look fit? Have mm-hmm. I not been looking fit? Uh, is that going to change? Like it is, it is that thought pattern. Like I completely understand that. Mm. So yeah, it is it is definitely a big one, like not commenting on people's bodies and mm. coming on their energy. Yeah. One hundred percent. You're glowing, you're thriving. I'm loving this. Yes. Give it to me. <laughs> <It's Yeah. great. laughs> you know? I love that. And so scales we've talked about, huge. Um, not lot fitting your body into your old body, your younger body, your um mm-hmm. knowing how gender, gender dysphoria, your status as a queer person, your mm. age, your family dynamics, your genetics, knowing that so much impacts how you see it and to go easy on yourself for how you see yourself because it's not just yeah. a click of the fingers and you're cured, you're healed, yeah. quote unquote. Um, what about... Uh, when it comes to what we observe and what we internalize from other people, what are some of the things that have impacted you um, over time? Because I know for me, I'm very discerning about who I follow on or who, who I see on social media in terms of celebrities. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a big one for me because I, when I, when I have my bad days, I'm on social media and I'm looking at things I shouldn't be looking at. People that like, and it's funny because in like my head, I'm like, this isn't real. Like, mm-hmm. this is something that they're promoting an aesthetic, a look, or something, whatever it is. Half of it's probably edited. It's not what a real body looks like. There, uh, there's one woman that I do follow um, who is incredible about showing her real body, mm-hmm. and sh- you know, like what her body looks like first thing in the morning to what it looked like an hour after she's had breakfast or something like that, and. Um, there's something about her page that makes me feel really good as well. Um, and that's not too hard to find, is it, babe? Like you can Google, you know, like body positive um, Instagram pages, female, and like there's amazing ones. There really are. and um, But, yeah, it's just trying to make, yeah, not falling back into the pattern that I know that I get into when I'm feeling really bad and then start looking at images and women and people and it's I'm I'm never gonna look like that and that's okay I know this that's fine my body is different the way my body responds to certain things is different I'm not gonna sit there editing photos because I don't know how and I don't have the energy to do that um yeah so it's like I I know that's not not gonna I'm not gonna be that and Mm -hmm. that's okay um but it is a struggle when I'm in my really low moments and I'm 
yeah, having a hard time. The hole is really, really big and I'm trying to feed into it and stuff. I look, I get stuck. I hate myself. And then I, you know, fall out of the pattern, fall back into the pattern, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I make sure, because I was struggling a lot not long ago, um, I make sure that I fix my feed mm. so that come up and it's just like the lovely things and the fun things and things that make me feel really good and make me feel um, fulfilled and happy and make me smile, make me laugh. You know, we're always sending each other animal videos and things that are funny and stuff like that. Like these are things that I will constantly um, have in my feed. Mm. Um, that's a, yeah. That's a really important one. And as tempting as it is, knowing when that is a like, I would say a risk behavior to be doing when you're in that um, vortex of of scrolling. I think that might be something that like if you are wanting to have a bit of a next best step for this is knowing what some of your risk behaviors are. So you've got what what I always say back when I was coaching clients, they're like your bumper bars. So say you've got a – a bowling ball that's going down a bowling alley, having those bumper bars that you hit on either side, you know that you're coming up against um, coming up against the things that you do when you don't feel safe. So mm. what are your bumper bars for mental health, anxiety? What are your bumper bars for your relationship, your bumper bars for your body? For, for this, I think that you know, I'll, I'll say some of ours, if that's all right, like some of them that I know that will do and it's that's a sign something's going on time to get safe time to come back to yourself soothing open up to someone time to get safe Mm -hmm. so um yeah being in a scroll hole doing lots of body checks skipping meals um exercising when you feel like shit and not because you want to feel good um, mm-hmm. becoming uh, hyper fixated on what is going into your body, um, uh, changing plans with friends because that's popping up as well, mm-hmm. um, focusing on that more than you're focusing on other things, noticing what is going on for you uh, physically in your real life world. That is a clue as to what's going on internally because it can be very, very sneaky. Um, when it pops up so that might be something to start with and then popping that down physically writing it down so you've got it there and then coming back to um, things that help support you to feel safe whether that is opening up talking to a trusted person that might be a therapist it might not um, connecting in with things that make you feel good and alive and confident um, and and allowing and talking to someone who will also listen and not change or try to change you. Anything, any other ones that you want to add in there, babe? Yeah, that- I had a thought. Um, which I think is something that has come up between us as um, not being too hard on yourself when you are stuck and when you are in that vortex or in, in the mindset. Like I know that um, we've had conversations where I've been like, that sucks. You're allowed to feel this. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to feel anxious. You're allowed to feel however you want to feel about these moments that you're feeling about your body or whatever. Um, but you know, not, you know how it's always like positive thoughts, positive thoughts. People always trying to shove positive thoughts at you. 
sometimes you don't need to have a positive thought about this. Sometimes you're allowed to be upset and sad, or you're allowed to hear the the negative thoughts and go, okay, that's, that's a lot. I'm feeling that. Um, I'm not going to fake it and pretend like it's all good. It's not, but that's okay. Mm. I'm going to be okay. Mm. That's so important, babe. Mm. Thank you for saying that. Mm. Yeah. I think in that way too, you're promoting the the neutral experience that we're really trying to speak about here. How can you have a neutral approach to your thoughts and not be like, oh, that was a fucked thought. I'm so fucked. Why haven't I come further? Mm. Um, you can tell I'm PMSing when I start swearing more. <laughs> um, <laughs> and instead witnessing and observing and being easy on yourself, knowing that you're human and that this happens. Yeah. 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 I love you so fucking much. Love you too. Thank you so much for talking about this. I know that we, we're doing this at a time where we have the capacity to emotionally, we're feeling emotionally safe to do this mm-hmm. um, in our bodies. It's allowing us to do this. Um, and then I'm also just acknowledging that this is a, a really big topic for the both of us as well. Um, and for anyone listening, even if you're feeling really strong right now, it might bring up something afterwards. So um, if if it does, find, find your people, come back to your strategies and tools um, and yeah thank you for this is a very vulnerable thing for us so thank you I love you I love you thank you thank you for sharing and opening up too anyone who wants to um talk to or find Coco on um Instagram can do so at at Christine Shamoon I think it's um, at, yeah, underscore at the end. Sure. I, <laughs> I was like, did you see my eyes drift off? Because I'm trying yeah. to pick your page. Um, and yeah. My page isn't that um, fantastic. Like, it's just a normal average her, her page. Her page is her doing her. Um, yeah. But also, if you ever want to um, get in contact about exploring some of the these things in a professional capacity um that is a completely separate thing and something that we can do um via our website which is linked to the podcast so um could I could I also add um to those who um might not be the ones struggling but are the partners of or the family members of or you know you might be the boyfriend the girlfriend the cousin the auntie or somebody um it's okay to ask questions and you know listen to this and be able to support those people as well without you know having to I don't know do a lot of crazy stuff about Mm -hmm. it you know like it's I think it's the the support people and the friends and stuff like that that are in people's lives that I think it's also really important like they're important too I know like my own partner has been great you know and it's tiny things that he does that's yeah. really, really helpful. Um, He's a fucking G, isn't he? <laughs> he that, is. that man is on a pedestal so hard and I hate putting people, people on a pedestal. I break those motherfuckers down, but he is up there. Uh, he is up there. He's doing uh, good. Uh, hey, Rome, baby, how you doing? Hey, Rome, baby. Because I know uh, you're listening. <laughs> he always is. Uh, <laughs> I think he's driving and having a bit of a chuckle. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out. You know, it's also like this is also for um the surrounding support system, um in a person's life. You know, so little things. If there's something you can learn from this to take to, and use 
for whoever it is and that's in your life that you know is struggling. I hope that helps too. Mm. Bloody okay. Love talking to you. Thank you for chatting. Um, we're listening in, everyone. Thank you, Coco, for being you, being the best. Um, I'll see you. I mean, I'll, I'll see you any day now, anyway, as we always do. But I love you. Thank you. Love for you. Um, and I can't wait for our next episode. Yeah.